Welcome to the Brunch and Slay podcast, your weekly dose of inspiration. Well, we remember that if she can, I can, we all can. I'm your host, Amira Sain, founder of Brunch and Slay, a lifestyle brand created to inspire women to live their best life every day. Welcome back to the show, y'all. Let's just say that spring has sprung. You know, I see so many of you out there getting your COVID-19 shots, uh, putting in, you know, doing the work so you can be with your families, all of our healthcare workers out there who have had to get the shot and haven't had an option. I'm saying, hey, keep fighting. I know that this last 24 months, I'm going to say 24 because it's been a hot mess since before COVID started, right? Has been ridiculous, but we've made it to this far, to this point in the journey, whatever that may mean. And I'm tipping my hat to you all who are still being smart, wearing your mask, right? I know we're getting out there more. I mean, in Texas, I don't know if, I mean, the world shut down for like two months. That was like March, April, maybe a little bit of May when in 2020, after that, Most Texans went on to doing business as usual, which I'm not saying that we're proud of that. I'm just telling y'all where we live and how things go here. But we've been safe. We've been smart. We've been healthy and we're making it. So hats off to you all. Now, in the world of COVID that we are currently living in, I just want to say it's real. It's real out here. And today's guest is a woman who I think you guys will enjoy. You know, I had a chance to talk to her during COVID, right? So you guys know I'm so lucky and and I am blessed to be able to interview so many magnificent women. And Sigrun, who is the the guest today, is pretty fabulous. She is out of Europe. She is a podcasting guru there. She's taking Europe by storm and she's advancing businesses from continent to continent and she literally had her own company sold it at an early age has done so much that I think you're going to love and I'm always inspired by women who are helping other women get their coins so tune in grab your pen or your pencil right if you're still doing that but if you're like me and you're jotting down notes then just get someplace quiet and get ready to get these gems Welcome back to the show. Today we have Miss Sigrun. Man, you know, there are a lot of folks who come on the show and women especially because, you know, I, I love a lady who does, right? Who really accomplished some great things. But I've never spoken to someone who graduates with a degree and decides they want to run a company and, and not their own company, but someone else's and goes after it and does it. So today is a treat. We have Miss Sigrun, who is on a mission to accelerate gender equality, and she's doing that by through entrepreneurship, right? She's a lead mentor for females and entrepreneurship in Europe, a whole continent. She is killing it. She is a TEDx speaker and she is the host of the Sigrun show. So welcome to the show, the lady who's on a mission to help us all fatten our wallets, Miss Sigrun. Hello. How are you? Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am too. You know, when I, when I, of course, did my research and I'm studying, I'm learning about you and I was just like taken aback. So the story goes that you graduate your master's degree and you see a company that clearly needs your help, right? And you make a phone call and you say, hey, I'm the person who needs to be your CEO. And not only do you land the job, but you land it by the end of the phone call. So let's just, that's a, that's a badass woman. So, you know, you got to break that story down and you got to tell us how that happened. 
Well, I studied architecture, so actually nothing about business at all. But towards end of my studies, I started to have some doubts and I was fascinated by computer science, by the internet. This is many years ago, maybe before some people were born. <laughs> uh, and uh, I switched over to computer science and uh, I moved back to Iceland from Germany. Uh, I studied in Germany and I got a job at a software company. Uh, and then I lost that job and then it was kind of a hard to find a job again. I was the dot-com era. And I landed a job at a small uh, software company making their own CMS, and I became a project manager. So I was just doing basically a sales job. Uh, but, you know, I had my architecture degree, got nothing to do with the job I was doing. I was studying computer science on the side because this was a software company, and I had the feeling I needed to know more about computer science, even if I was not planning to be a programmer, but more like someone who runs a software company and and understands really the ins and outs of the company. After one year working this job, I take one day off from work to study for an exam in computer science. But exactly that day, a person comes and visits our company and says, I am your new owner. And I'm like, oh, I wasn't there. Basically what happened, uh, three weeks earlier, the company had been sold. I come to work one day on a Friday and uh, it was a bit of a shock because I was the person with contact to all the clients. My sister was working at the same company. She was hiring the programmers and telling them what to do every day. We did not interact much with the CEO. He was there half of the day or so, but didn't do much, I, in my opinion. Uh, so we felt like we were running the company, like these two, you know, fierce young women. Uh, we were loving it. There was even an interview in the newspaper, like the sisters in the software company and no mention of the CEO. <laughs> so we were like, we're basically running this company. So when it was sold, I got really afraid someone else would come in and tell me what to do. And after being very independent in my job, I didn't want that. So I started to get this crazy idea that I could become the next CEO. And the idea is crazy because I did not have a business degree and I'd never run a company before. I haven't, hadn't even run a department or anything. So I had no experience with management. Um, but I was quite successful in my sales or, you know, sales accountant job, getting new clients and, and landing deals and just being a good project manager. So yeah, I got this crazy idea. And when you get a crazy idea, you typically push it away. And that's what I did. Push it away. It comes back, push it away, comes back, push it away. And I'm like, oh, there's something about this. So I started to do my research and found out who had bought the company. I noticed on the website that I knew one woman, a woman that worked there. And, uh, I called her up and I said, what do I have to do to get this job? You know, do you have someone in mind already? She said, no, we don't. Uh, but if you want to be a candidate for the job, we need to know more about uh, the company from you and what, what you foresee, what's the vision. Uh, so a two-page memo. If you could send us that, then she could give it to the right people. So there I was sitting at home studying for this exam and I had just heard about the owner coming to the company and I could have introduced myself, but I wasn't there. And I was like, does he have my memo? Does he not have my memo? Where has this memo landed? And uh, I, was, I got this 
thought of either I do something today or I miss this opportunity forever. And the feeling was so strong, this intuition that we all have, that gut feeling of like, I got to do something today about this or I'll just leave it, forget about it. So the exam was suddenly not so important. And uh, I figure out his phone number that took a few phone calls and I call the guy up and I was so nervous. Like even before I just started to dial the number, I was like, should I be doing this? Should I not be doing this? So I call and uh, he says, hello. And I said, oh, my name is Sigrun. I work in company so-and-so that you just bought. Oh yeah, okay. Do you have my memo? I was like, I was so eager to know if he had the memo. <laughs> and he said, yes, I do. And I'm like, mm, what do I say next? Uh, and, and then he took it over. Like, can you meet up in 30 minutes at this coffee place? And I'm like, okay. Uh, so I drove over there. He was there with his lawyer, some corporate lawyer. And I felt really small, I must say. Uh, they asked me a lot of questions. I couldn't answer half of them. But I got the job because he loved the boldness. And I still could answer half of the questions. Uh, and of course, he did some due diligence in the background and all that stuff. But yeah, I got the job. And um, he be he was my boss for the next three, four years. I ran two companies under him. And then I went on to run other people's companies. Uh, in total, uh, a decade, I was running other people's companies. Uh, employees from 15 to 74 employees. Uh, working on turnarounds, you know, where you have to come in and fix a company that is uh, in debt. Uh, and uh, that was the company, the small company I was working at. I didn't know that they were in financial trouble. But once I became CEO, it suddenly was my problem. Uh, and I, 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 without business background, without business experience, uh, I, it was still common sense what I needed to do. I needed to, you know, figure out where we were losing money and increase where we were making money. And uh, so in 11 months, I turned around and then I got other opportunities based on that. So that's how the story was about the phone call. You know, there's so many lessons in that. And what I want to know first is, was that your first time taking that type of leap? Because I tend to think that each leap kind of builds our muscle and helps us realize that builds that confidence that if I take a leap, what's the worst could happen thing that could happen. So was that your first time doing something so bold? I think it was the first time I did something that bold. Um, but if you look at my life, you would say, okay, moving with one suitcase to Germany from Iceland when I was 20 is also for a lot of people, a bold move, but yeah, as a grown-up person after 20, this felt as the boldest move that I had made, I, you know, and I say, it was just a phone call, you know, it was nothing serious, you know, I was not gonna, you know, be in financial trouble if I wouldn't do that phone call or, or if he said no, but if your boldest move is a phone call, imagine what we all can do. Mm. You know, that's when you when you break it down that way, it just makes total sense. Right. But it's not the action that typically stops us. It's the what if I don't get the reaction that I'm wanting. Mm -hmm. Right. It's that what if he says no? What if he laughs in my face? What if I can't answer half the questions and they still say no? But a little confidence goes a long way and proactive people make the world go round. Right. 
Yeah. Um, this is a perfect uh, testament to how men go for jobs. And, and, I, and I know you know about this because your whole your whole realm and your passion is about helping women. Right. And we know that typically men apply for jobs that they are not anywhere near qualified for. Exactly. Yeah. And we don't. And that was that? the and that was the confirmation. You know, I of course I asked a lot of people. I asked my mother, father, friend, sister, should I go for it? And typically the men say yes. And typically women say no. Except my sister. Luckily, my sister always says, Yeah, go for it. So you so fast forward 10 years, you've honed your skills, you've learned the ins and outs. And the and the the great part is you learn very early how to make profit, which you know, that's the thing most small businesses struggle with. Yeah. Why was it important to you to talk to women on multiple in multiple countries, right? So you're in Europe and you're killing it and you're making this space. It could You could simply have kept running other people's com- companies and make a great living, or you could just stick to Iceland. Why was it that you knew you had to get this out to multiple countries and now, hey, you're in America, right? So how, how did that happen and why was it important? Well, uh, you know, when you live on an island uh, like Iceland, uh, I think it's important to go away to study. And uh, I wanted to be an architect when I was 11 years old. And uh, luckily for me, you could only study that abroad. So it was very clear to me from the age of 11 that I would move to Germany. That was my favorite country at the time. And I want to move to south of Germany, where it's maybe a little bit warmer than Iceland. (laughs) and uh, study architecture. So that's where you start to have an international mind when you kind of move to another country, you have to learn a new language, you you not just learn it, but you have to be fluent in it. And um, then I went to Switzerland and I did my MBA finally, after being a CEO for several years, I did an MBA at London Business School. You know, so I had been learning German and English and I was fluent in those languages and had degrees in those uh, fields. And then I found myself in Switzerland. I had met my husband at a Tony Robbins event in London and moved back from studying in London to Iceland, but only for a month before I picked up my suitcase again and moved with one suitcase. It's it's kind of repetitive, like, you know, once with the age of 20 and then again at age of, I think it was 37 or so, uh, that I moved to Switzerland. And without a job, uh, it took me six months to find a job, a small medical technology company that hired me as as a managing director for their division, one of their divisions. And from there, uh, it was a job that, you know, it was not really my passion. It was not in software. Uh, it, I was very curious because I was doing, uh, uh, you know, IP, a right without being a lawyer, but, you know, dealing with international, um, you know, intellectual property and international clients, uh, going to the U.S. on, on business trips. And, uh, and then I got sick. And I think I got sick partly because the work was maybe not so interesting. Uh, but the other thing was really, you know, I just got sick from sitting a lot at the computer. And uh, it's something called a repetitive strain injury. And we have to be careful, entrepreneur, that we don't get it. And that gave me a lot of time. I was sick for seven months. And during that time, I could sit on the sofa and watch, uh, you know, videos. So I was learning a lot on lynda.com. Uh, and, but I couldn't sit on my computer And it made me think that I was like, you know, coming to an age where it's a question, do I want to do my own thing 
or do I want to continue working for other people? And I had this dream of doing my own thing. I just didn't know what it was. And that kept me, you know, postponing it. I was waiting for that brilliant idea that's supposed to fall on your head and your shower, but it wasn't happening. And um, now I know, looking back, that clarity comes from action. You know, you need to actually decide that you're going to do it and just do something and then you'll get the right idea. But waiting for the idea is just not the solution because you can wait for years and decades and nothing happens. Well, I didn't know that at the time, so I kept on waiting. So I took another job after I healed. Uh, uh, that after I'd been sick for seven months, I took another job. And again, I, d I found myself in a job that was I was not so passionate about. I had to do cold calling for a software company. Uh, I thought software company was a solution for me, but turns out not every software company is fun to work for. Uh, and so eventually I decided that, you know, I would suggest to the board to hire someone else. And then, of course, they fired me. And now I had been fired twice in two years, sick for seven months. And I said, this is the three signs. You know, if you get three signs, take it seriously. Um, and... I just started to dabble with online business. You know, I just didn't know. I still didn't have a business idea. I thought I would maybe do a little bit of photography, write travel books. Uh, and I, I knew I could be a business consultant, but I was not excited about the idea. Like the typical business consultant maybe writes a business plan for some other company or does some business development work, some research. And I found that super boring. I had tried it several times. Um, and then I saw online business and online courses and I thought, oh, okay, maybe I am a business coach. And I just didn't want to admit it that, you know, I had all this business experience and I knew how you could start a business, turn around a business, merge a business, build a team. I, I had all this knowledge and I was avoiding going there. You know, if you read the book Alchemist, you know, looking for a treasure all over the world instead yeah. of just looking in your backyard and say, I've got this. I know this. I'm good at this. And this is what I should be doing. And finally, January 2014, I figured out that's that's what I should be doing. More Brunch and Slay after this. There's a place that shines a light on women who operate in excellence. A place that creates experiences for women and partners with entrepreneurs and businesses and brands who value your dollars. That place is brunchandslay.com. It's experiences you love, connections you crave, and content that inspires. Brunchandslay.com. We're building something. And now back to Brunch and Slay. No, that's so awesome. First of all, we always talk about breadcrumbs here, right? So each task is strengthening our muscle to get us prepared to where we're supposed to be. And, and just like you said earlier, you have to just go for it. You're not going to have this crystal clear blueprint of what your life or your passion is going to be and what it's going to lead you to until you start exercising that. And then to be able to use those skills. A lot of us tend to think we don't like the field that we're in. It's not necessarily as we don't like working in that field for someone else, right? So you had all these skills in business. You already had those things and working with someone else in their business didn't excite you because it was just not your jam. It wasn't the thing that lit you up. But when you took those skills and you put them in a way that lit you up, here we go, seven figure business, right? Yeah. And now you're teaching other women all over the world how to do that. 
Yeah. So what are what are some of the things? And I, and th- I want to ask these questions, the tough questions, because, of course, after so many episodes, we've had a bunch of brilliant minds here. But I don't know if we really dive into that in between stage, because I know someone's listening to this right now who's in that idea phase and or that execution or taking that leap. What are some of the mistakes or self-sabotaging things that we do as women to keep us from activating that journey? Well, I think uh, generally we have less confidence than men. As we know, a woman will typically not go after a job until she 100% knows for sure that she can do it versus a man, maybe just 60%. And I think the same for entrepreneurship. Um, We are waiting for permission. We are waiting for someone to give us the permission to go after our dreams versus just going after them. And I think what women really need a lot more of than men is community. You need to surround yourself with people that are also going for it. So if you are with people that are just, you know, settling and okay with the status quo, that's that's the environment you need to get out of. And you need to surround yourself with go-getters and people who are going for their dreams uh, because that's how you're going to go for it yourself. And I've seen it every time I've had to up-level. You know, I still have my friends. My childhood friends are still there. And actually, some have got the entrepreneur book. And that's exciting to see. But I've had to find totally new friendships to really make sure that I don't stagnate and, and stop going after bigger and better dreams. You know, my goal is to accelerate gender equality. Now, that's a big task. Uh, and uh, it's not enough for me to say, oh, now I've reached the million dollar goal and now I'm going to stop. No, because in order to change the world, you need to make a lot of money. Uh, we need to help a lot of people. And ultimately, uh, that's a ripple effect. If I help a lot of people, they can help a lot of people. Uh, they make more money, I make more money, and then we can use that money for good. Uh And unfortunately, a lot of women just don't think that big. I think I've been able to get that bigness thinking from corporate, from actually running companies that were all owned by men, by the way. Uh, Then I got the big thinking through that. I saw, for instance, my boss that hired me after that phone call. He had shares in 40 companies. And so he dealt with 40 CEOs. I was the only woman. Maybe he also hired me because of that. I don't know, but it doesn't matter. You know, he hired me and, but he inspired me to think like he has shares in 40 companies. He deals with 40 different CEOs on a regular basis. Like, why not me? Why not us? Why not you, dear listener? And that's, we tend to think smaller, like, and I know I'm guilty too. When I started my business, I was just thinking of replacing my previous income. That was the benchmark. And a lot of women then stop at that. I was just recording a podcast interview myself earlier today with a dear client. She had made the same amount of money for 20 years. And she thought she was doing well, whereas she was almost burning out from too many hours and not raising her rates and not really believing in her own worth. She had a PhD, has written 20 books, and she was thinking of self as, as a small business owner that is fine with making six figures. And I'm like, you can make seven figures if you just fix your head. It was not about more knowledge. A lot of women think they need more knowledge. Oh, I need to be certified. I need to get a degree. I'm guilty too. I have four master's degrees. <laughs> so I can make fun of myself because I can see now how ridiculous that is. 
But of course, you know, if you're not sure about your path, it's okay to look for education and in courses. But now it's so much easier to figure out what you want and what you need. I would rather do a quick online course for a few weeks to figure out if I like something versus doing a degree for three years, which is a waste of your time. Ultimately, we have to be bolder. And I think the only way we're going to change that is role models. And that's why I love interviewing women. I love that you are doing that too. I hope we're inspiring someone right now to go after their dreams. Because the only thing that actually is stopping women is their head. Mm. Man, we could literally stop this interview right there because that's a that's a, a lot to digest for someone who's navigating. You know, I, I literally had a conversation just a few moments ago before we started the interview about how surrounding ourselves around people who we don't have to get their opinion, right? At, there comes a point in a woman's journey as she begins to be confident in who she is in the past she's taken, where you no longer need to ask 20 people what they think about your idea. You tell them after it's cultivated, after you've injected it, after you're running that business and you say, oh, by the way, did you know I was doing this? That is a shift, right? That's a shift that we want more women to get to. We want you to stop questioning your what's already a calling on your soul. It's a calling on your soul for a reason. So you don't need Sigrun or I to confirm it. You already had it confirmed when they, when it wouldn't leave. You've already had your three signs. And, and, and I think today's episode is for that person. You're already on the fence. There's nothing left for you to do but surround yourself around people who are where you want to be. And there's no nothing wrong with that. Right. I think that's another thing we as women do. There's a lot of guilt because we are nurturers and we nurture relationships, lifelong relationships. No one says you abandon those people who've been loyal and true to you. But where you are now, they can't help you. And you need to see that they can't help you reach those dreams. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it is so freeing when you have that experience, when you want, when you realize I don't need anybody's permission. And you start to think bigger, what's possible for you. And I see this shift literally in front of my eyes with my clients. And, and I, I, I could feel it myself. You know, last week, I just bought a new home. Just like that. I was not even planning to buy a new home. Yeah. And my husband hasn't even seen it. <laughs> that's goals right there. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. goals right yeah, there. So right. If you had told me maybe, I don't know, three years ago that I would just do a thing like that. And even having my parents say, oh, this is not a smart idea. Oh, you shouldn't be doing that. Nobody could stop me. Yeah. Yeah. I think the the beautiful thing and that what, what excites me is that we know that it's a possibility. I think a lot of times similar to your client, we start these things for one small goal and we let those goals, we don't think past the goal because it's just comfortable. Human nature is to be complacent. And who says you have to have a cap on anything that you do? There is cap, cap what? What is a cap, right? I see it, you know, it's mine. It's simple as that. If Sigrun can go and buy a house, in three years, then Amira can go buy a house in three years and not show her husband. I, that's a new goal. Okay, you just inspired me, right? Like, I want that I want that disposable income. And I think that, you know, in times like these, I love the fact that you also help women create recession-proof plans for their business. Now, being that we're in the midst of a worldwide pandemic and businesses are pivoting left and right, you know, you and I already are in the digital space. So we probably didn't have to pivot as much as the average business. We are bringing them up to speed. There are resources you and I possess right now that would help major companies 
quickly catch up to where they need to be, even from managing their teams virtually, which I've done my whole career. I've never had, I've had staff of 50 all over the country, never had them in my office. And this, I feel like I was being prepared for running my team now with, mm-hmm. with Brunch and Play, which is all over the world from Spain to Malta. Um, that is, that was, this is what that was, right? So those were all breadcrumbs, all breadcrumbs that led me to this moment to be prepared. So when, you, when you're thinking about the women out there who are navigating and, and they're thinking about what to start, what are some of the tips you give them for having a recession-proof business? Well, I did uh, two boot camps on this uh just right at the end of March and beginning of May. And in order to prove to the women that you can sell anything at any time, I had the participants, I had 700 people there with me live. um, I said, what would you buy right now? And I had them fill out a form. And then we saw the ideas come together. And we got over a thousand ideas of what people were willing to invest right now. So a recession-proof offer is, is essentially an offer that people are willing to buy right now. So you might be in an industry, and this was definitely true in March, April, and even May, that people were in an industry where, where it wasn't so good to sell something, you know. Um, but there were also industries where you thought, oh, maybe this is not so good, but it actually worked. So for instance, uh, sewing courses offline, Okay. You couldn't do them offline, you do them online. Yeah. So there were all these ideas floating around what people wanted and needed and other things became less important. So let's say problems don't really go away. You know, if you have a relationship problem and then there is a lockdown, the problem hasn't gone away. It probably has gotten worse, but it is not a priority. It's often priority rather to make money, uh, but also people had a lot of extra time. So it's about brainstorming, actually. And again, surround yourself with people who are also go-getters and thinkers. And together, I brainstorm with my clients. So telling you right now, oh, what's a recession-proof offer? It depends. It depends on on you, uh, you as a person, your strength, uh, and the willingness to pivot and and do some research. What are people buying right now? What happened, for instance, during the lockdown? All kinds of shops that sell uh, home equipment. You know, uh, you know, Iceland is a, is a small country, and you have to import most of the things. Kettlebells sold out. Kettlebells. Think of that. All kinds of home fitness equipment absolutely sold out in the whole country. You know, that's recession-proof. Now, it's not a business you may want to be in all the time, but that was a good time to be in that business. Zoom, uh, they had 20 million users, Zoom, before they got 200 million in a few weeks. Now, not everyone can build, everyone can build a software company uh, right off the bat, but there were there were things like, you know, all kinds of online classes. And let's say you are uh, are in an industry that is not in demand right now, but you know how to go online. Pivot, even if you do, do it for a few weeks or a few months. I had a client who is in the sustainability niche and she wants to help people be more sustainable, uh, become vegetarians and, you know, take better care of the environment. It is not a very good business to be in when people are thinking about how to pivot their businesses and, you know, I want to prove my home and it's a more of a survival thing. See, pivot it, 
And she's making so, she's making, you know, five figure months easily with helping people go online and do webinars and stuff. She will go back to her sustainability business afterwards. I know because it's her passion, but it wasn't a good business right now. So you just pivot. Yes. I love the, I mean, the pivot is what we're all about, right? Because that's, that's the real world. It's not always a straight path. And our passion sometimes has to be supported by our daytime. Right. You know, educators right now are in a unique vantage point. They literally could start training the, their parents in their classroom or parents who people at their church or whatever community organizations they're in who have children, teaching them how to capture their attention, teaching them how to keep children engaged. They could have memberships there. The sky is the limit. That doesn't mean they're not educators anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just a pivot. So thinking deeply and I love and I cannot say how much important it is or how important it is enough to be around free thinkers and people who want more. There's no way you can sit around a room full of people who are doing great things and you not have it rub off on you. Yeah. I think that's like, that is the, the underlying message for life. No matter what birds of a feather flock together. Grandma said it. Great grandma said it. Papa said it. Everybody y'all. It's the reason that these old things, stay true. Like the alchemist, that book has been around for forever, right? It has a resurgence every year in different markets, different niches. And it's a quick read. If you haven't read it, pick it up. Right. Uh, but it, it's another great one. And, and, you know, and I think sometimes we forget about the basics. We overcomplicate it because we have obligations and bills and priorities. And we start to think about what we have to have. And in all honesty, what we have to have is peace. And what gives us that peace is doing what we love. And when you do what you love, I know it sounds cliche. Guess what? You figure out how to make a living from it. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Live from your passion. That's the best way to live yeah. with passion. So at this point in your business and in your life, I wouldn't even say business because I think it's a lifestyle, right? Everything you're doing is a part of your life. What is it that you're wanting in this next chapter and how can we support you and help you get there? Well, I'm changing the world. So that's a big task. Um, And, uh, you know, monetary goals are great. You know, I'm aiming for the eight figures three years from now. But my passion is now to make my self-made summit happen next year. I had to postpone it by one year. Self-made summit is for women all over the world. We have speakers from all over the world. Our keynote speaker uh, is only 19 years old. She started to speak at the age of 10 and has worked with Michelle Obama and has helped kids in the United States eat more healthy. Uh, She's the youngest health coach um, ever graduated from Integrative uh, Institute for Nutrition. And, you know, all the other speakers are making seven figures. And uh, as I said before, I think role models is the key here. And, you know, you can do it over podcast, but I think there's something magical about standing in front of a woman that has achieved the things that you want to achieve. And since we're all different, we cannot all be inspired by one person. You know, I love Oprah, but I need some other role models too. And I maybe need a role model that looks and sounds more like me or has a similar background or you know, worked at her parents' company like me and went at the age of 10 and things like that. So that's why we need different women. We need different role models with different backgrounds. And that's what I'm doing in my conference. So I hope 
that you and maybe some of your listeners can make it to Iceland next year. Well, let's hope uh, that will be healthy and safe to travel. Uh, but that that's my dream. That's my next dream project. I always need a dream project. And even though I talk a lot about money uh, and I think it's really important women make money, we also need our dream projects that, that, that fuel us uh, beyond uh, monetary goals. And that's my self-made summit. No, absolutely. I mean, I'm cheering. For, that sounds amazing. Number one, Iceland is on my list. So I'm going to keep that on my radar. Right. But I agree. You can't be what you can't see. And it's not a thing about class or race or gender fluidity. It's not even that. It's just a matter of when you see someone who's similar to you accomplish something, you innately, there's something inside of you that says, that, well, I guess I can do it too. Right. And that's why our motto is if she can, I can, we all can. Because if I constantly am hearing from women who beat some kind of odd, right, they overcame some kind of obstacle, it's very rare that we've had someone on this show who was born with a trust fund, right? Most of us are trying to figure it the hell out. Yeah. And we are tapping into podcasts. We're taking digital courses like you and I. I'm constantly listening to a new book. I am staying on the cusp of what's the latest and the greatest because you don't want to be left behind. But I also know that if I keep hearing it, it will become a part of my DNA, and, and that's, that's the biggest, the biggest hurdle, you know, each week, if you guys listen to this show each week, you're hearing tons of commonalities. I hope you're seeking those commonalities so that you have your blueprint. One day I'll be able to sit down and I'll go through all these episodes and I'll figure out what the commonalities, all these successful, badass, game changing women have had, because there is a formula and it starts with our surroundings. Mm -hmm. It starts with pivoting, with knowing when to pivot and being okay. Right. And also keeping those cards close to our chest. Stop sharing all your big ideas and your dreams with everybody. Everybody is not have the privilege or does not deserve the right to hear about your the things, the desires that are calling on your heart. That's the biggest way to be discouraged because they weren't told the dream you were. They aren't answering your call. You are right. So that's that's amazing. And, and I think I agree with you virtually. I have not set in on any conferences. I'm going to tell y'all the truth. And most people probably would think I would have because I'm a huge person who loves to go to conferences, but I love the people. I love the connections I make by sitting down after the speaker and having a cocktail with somebody who I sat next to. I love those moments. And I love being surrounded by those women who are seeking those moments. And it is a difference. So no, 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 no shade to the folks who are pivoting and making virtual events. They're needed. I think at this point in my journey, I'm just kind of past that part in my journey at this moment, right? You're, does that make sense, Sigrun? Oh, it's been it's been so many virtual events. You know, I've done yeah. a few myself, but honestly, there's there's a there's a feeling of tiredness when it comes to virtual events, and still we need to do them. You know, if you want to launch anything online, you're doing some sort of a virtual event, but uh, people are craving meeting face to face, and yeah. I, I really hope we can get fast back to that part because I love meeting people and that's how I've made most of my connections and found most of the guests for my podcast as well. Right. And, and I and I think and this is I think there's a place for some there's a formula to virtual events. I think the smaller bandwidth is easily digestible, right? There's no distractions because when you're at home, there's going to be a distraction, even if it's just your cell phone, right? Even if you're sitting in front of someone in an audience, you, your cell phone's as a distraction. I think when we're thinking about all day summits, we need to rethink those a little bit. 
um, and maybe make them a week long where it's an hour a day for a week. Maybe that's what we do because you have to meet humans where they are. And I do believe virtual events and will become a huge part of the future, just like working from home. Companies are finally realizing they've been making huge mistakes by not having a better work-life balance, letting families work from home. I think our families will be stronger, right? And I think our communities will be stronger. Now, Sigrun, this Saturday, you can brunch with anybody in the world, dead or alive. Who are you brunching with? Oh, whom I'm brunching with? Well, Richard Branson. Ooh, can I come? Yeah. Can we go there? Is it, is it Naper? What's the name of his island? Is it Naper Island? What is it? Can we go there? Yeah. Necker Island. Necker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I would like to know from him how he can run all his companies 20 minutes a day, because that's a story I've read. And I think that's very inspiring. I I think that's also something we women could learn instead of, you know, working so hard to have more fun. And uh, I've started to integrate that. Like, for instance, I don't take any meetings Thursdays and Fridays. Uh, And sometimes I just play around the golf or do something else, travel with my husband, because I need more thinking time. I need thinking time and I know it comes back to my business. I I think it's hard for some people to see it, especially, you know, team members like, oh, she's off, she's not working today. It's because I need time to think. I think we're just, it, we're trained to think that busy means productive and that's not necessarily true, no. right? Um, when you're building, I understand some things are time sensitive. And we have to full steam ahead, just keep moving forward. But I agree with you. There has to come a point in your plan that you actually embrace those freedoms that you said you wanted as an entrepreneur. That's a huge part of why most people become entrepreneurs for the freedom. And even for me, I have to catch myself because I have a little one and she, if I'm working too much, she says, I don't want you on your computer. Please put your computer down. Mm. And so I have to have hard lines, you know, that whether I'm done or not, I have to have what's a priority, get that done today, and then give yourself freedom because you're never going to stop having things to do. That's never going to end, right? But the time that we have here is fleeting and, and why spend it all behind a screen, right? Exactly. So as you maneuver over the next few months and head into making your summit a reality, what vibes and prayers can we send your way to help you uh, over the next few months? So the biggest obstacle I have right now is a virus. Uh, Once that's out of the way, um, I think there's nothing standing in the way that having women sign up and travel to Iceland. A lot of women have it on the bucket list. So let's just cross our fingers and see that we'll all be solved by next spring. I love it. You know, those Northern lights have been calling my name, you know, (laughs) for some time. So I I love the idea. It's definitely piqued my interest. And I can't thank you enough for sharing inspiration. I I can't stress again how important it is for me to hear other women who are navigating and figuring it out because a lot of times that blueprint isn't there. And I know that if I can know that you figured it out, then I can too. So please share with everyone how they can follow you, where can they find you and support your brand? So the best way to find me is my podcast, The Sigrun Show, where I share my journey again and again, and also with my clients and interviews with guest speakers from all over the world. And then uh, if you want to know about more about me and my programs, hop on over to sigrun.com. Wonderful. Y'all, if you have found any bit of inspiration in today's show, I'm going to ask that you share it. 
share it with someone who you care about, who could benefit from hearing the words that we talked about today, or share it on your social media platform and tag us so we can give you a proper thank you. And if you want to do something really sweet, then put in your stories or whatever platform you're on one thing that you took away from this episode and tag Sigrun and myself so that we can hear it and know what we need to share more about because that's the whole point. If we have all this knowledge and we don't give you the parts that you really need to hear, then why are we here? So share it, tag us. We want to say thank you. And no matter what, we always have to remember that if she can, I can, we all can. This is Brenton Slate.